So the teaching that I'm going to share tonight is the first of three parts, and it's, the title is The Effects of Praise. Tonight we're going to look at the effects of praise on God. Next week we're going to talk about the effects of praise on us, the believer. And then the next week we're going to look at the effects of praise on the enemy. It's an amazing uh, depth of truth that we're going to talk about in the power of praise. The week before um, Christmas, Tom taught about Thanksgiving and the effectual prayer Thanksgiving. When we talk about praying the effectual fervent prayer of a believer, a lot of that is Thanksgiving. Thanking God for what his word says he's done. Thanking God for who he is and what his word says he's accomplished. Thanking him for what we've already recognized in our own lives, in our own heart, in our own situations. Because as we thank him, there is a, a, a sustaining of our faith as we move through our own journey. Maybe before you've seen the whole end of the story. So Tom taught about Thanksgiving. And praise and Thanksgiving, often we talk about hand in hand. So today we're going to talk about praise. And the way that I want to start is by praising him. So we're going to praise him with the Psalms. Our projector is out today. <laughs> devil was just messing with us and what did we do we laughed at him because we know that when the devil tries to interfere god has an amazing plan so we don't need words up on that screen if you do have your bible though i'd like you to open it to the book of psalms we're going to read three different pieces of psalms as a as a praise to our god in my bibles i love the book of psalms but in my and i say bibles because i have lots of bibles and in my bibles i I, I mark up my psalms a lot. And the ones that have stars next to them, one star, two stars, three stars, are the ones that I go back to and I read out loud and I praise God with the psalms. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to open with praise. And the first psalm is Psalm 66, verses 1 through 4. So I'm just going to read it. Just, if you don't have your Bible, just allow the words to just fill your heart and ascend to God. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. So in this psalm, the, the praises are just raising to God for who he is, for how awesome he is, for how awesome his works are. It says, through the greatness of your power, God, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. That's one of the effects of praise, is that the enemy has to bow down because praise is a powerful spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. But what I really want to touch on in this psalm is the word awesome. Let me read this line to you again. It says, how awesome are your works. God kind of um, um, showed me something a while back. And that is that 
I had been using that word awesome in a very um, careless way. You know, and we, in our, our uh, English slang, it does that. We use the word awesome for all sorts of things. You know, a movie is awesome or a dinner is awesome or you know, anything. I mean, we call everything and anything awesome. And God kind of quickened my heart and he said, save that word for, for me. Save that word for what it's truly intended to mean. So I looked up the word awesome. And the word awesome means inspiring awe. It is an expression of awe, or it should be. An expression of awe. And then I looked up the word awe. And the word awe means respect, reverence, or wonder. And then as I was thinking about those words, respect and reverence and wonder, I was thinking about all of the times in the Bible when it talks about the fear of God. And whenever it uses the words fear of God, I, I replace the word fear with the word reverence or adoration or awe. So when we, when we praise God, and when, because we're talking today about the effect praise has on God, when we praise Him and we put our focus on how He inspires awe in us, something shifts in our heart to, to put our focus on the amazing goodness of God and how He is a God who inspires our awe a God who is deserving of that awe. And it's a good thing to stand in awe of God. So even as I'm talking right now, we are praising him. You're praising him from your heart as it's just stirring, as you're meditating on the awesomeness of God and how he inspires awe because of his goodness, his love, his care, his healing grace, his forgiving his shed blood, his broken body. It inspires awe in us. But it's up to us to put our heart and our mind there and to meditate on what he's done for us so that that awe is, is awakened. The next psalm that I want to praise God with is Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. What, psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So in this psalm, a couple words that just I wanted to just talk about a little bit. The first one is extol. The word extol is to highly praise, to fervently praise, to praise from the bottom of your heart. And I even use those words, and I encourage you to use those words, and say to God, God, I praise you with all of my heart. 
I praise you with all of my soul. I praise you from the depth of all that I am. I highly praise you. And it says in here, to bless his holy name. I will bless your name forever and ever. Yes, every day I will bless you. That word bless, we're talking about blessing God. That word bless means to praise him, to glorify him. God is blessed when we worship him, when we praise him. He's blessed when we desire him, when we love him, when we worship him. The word, you know, when I think of me feeling blessed, I'm going to share an example of this later as I get into the, the main part of the teaching about our, the effect of our praise on God. But when I'm blessed, I am pleased. Like if my children bless me by something they say or something they give me or something they share with me, I'm pleased. I'm happy. It makes me just filled with joy. We can bless God. That's what the Bible says. It says bless his holy name. Bless him. Bless him. Every day I will bless him. Our praise does that. And then it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. That's why we praise him. He's worthy. He's great. He's a good father. He's loving. We just praised him a ton as I shared all those testimonies. And those testimonies aren't just for the people who received them in those stories. Those testimonies are for all of us. Because that's his will for all of us. He paid the price for all of us. Great is he and greatly is he to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. I looked up that word too. <laughs> I use my dictionary app a lot. The word unsearchable means unfathomable. It's like, it's like so big. His greatness is so great, so big, so immense that in our humanity, in our puniness, I, I use the word puniness of humanity, it's, we can't possibly know how great he is. But he keeps showing us more and more and that greatness in my heart is expanded and expanded and expanded. And someday when we're in heaven, we're going to be face to face with that greatness and be able to know the fullness, the complete fullness of how great he really is. His greatness is unfathomable. His greatness is unsearchable. The third psalm I want to praise God with is the last psalm in the, in the book, which is Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow, <laughs> that's a wild psalm. It's loud. Even reading it is loud. Praise is a vocal expression. Praise is pretty loud. <laughs> Doesn't have to be. But it can be. 
And this shows us that. I wanna, what I want to do with this psalm is I want to kind of go through, because God answers a lot of questions about praise in this psalm. And the first question is, where? Where do we praise God? And it says in the scripture, praise him in the sanctuary and praise him in the mighty firmament. So as I was meditating on that and thinking about it, the first thing I think about when I think about sanctuary is a corporate setting like this. I'm going to continue because I know that's not the only place. But that's the first thing I think about. You know, praising in the corporate is really awesome. When we come together as a body of believers and we praise God together, there's just a, 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 a heavy pouring out of the, the presence of God. He says he, he inhabits the praises of his people. It's just awesome. I love to praise corporately. That's one of the big, huge reasons why we, um, why we go to Rochester Christian Church. Because that is one of their, their big values, is hosting the presence of God. And there is extended worship, extended praise at every service. I love to praise corporately. Um, I was really blessed the other day. I called my daughter-in-law because we're planning a, our next visit out to see them in, the, in February. And so I'm planning the dates and figuring out what works for them. And so I gave them a series of dates and I said, Kay, is there anything that this interferes with? And she said, we only have one thing that week. Um, there's a, a Christian concert in Reno and Chad and I are gonna go and take the kids. Now I've got a three-year-old baby girl and a five-year-old baby boy. And she said, it would be awesome for you and dad to come and you, we'll all go. So Kent and I are going, wow, we get to go to a Christian concert and worship God with our son and his wife and our grandkids. How awesome is that? I mean, I, that's, that's, I'm so excited about worshiping God together with my family. So corporate worship is awesome, yes. But that's not all that that's talking about. Praise God in the sanctuary. We are the sanctuary. The Bible says we're the temple of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So as we, wherever we are, whenever we are, we can praise God in the sanctuary of our own heart. So basically where do we praise God everywhere <laughs> anywhere and then the next line says praise him in his mighty firmament you know again with my first thought of the mighty firmament is heaven but the earth is heaven is on earth if we're saved we're living our eternal life now as soon as we've received Jesus we'll be praising God today and forever for all eternity so where can we praise God everywhere forever <laughs> the next part is about why praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness so we praise god for who he is and for what he's done what his word says he's done what his promises are what we've seen him do in our lives and in others lives we praise him because of who he is and what he's done and then there's this long list of how. Trumpet, lyre, heart, loop, timbrel, dance, instruments, symbols, clashing symbols. We can praise him with our voices. We can praise him with instruments, praise him with dance. 
Praise him with art. Praise him with whatever expression you have. Whatever creative expression God has given you, you can praise him. And then the last line says, who should praise him? Everyone that has breath. Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Everything, everyone. A lot of times um, in the summertime when, when I'm outside and hearing the, the, uh, just all sorts of things, the little spring peeping frogs or the birds or whatever it is, I'll, I'll sit out on the deck and I'll hear all the nature and it's like, I'm praising God with you, peeping frogs. <laughs> I'm praising God with you, birds. Let's praise God together. Everything that has breath, that's what the Bible says. And I think they're praising God too. Anyway, so praise him. So the effect praise has on God. God completely reordered this teaching when I was preparing it. Because I wasn't planning on teaching this until the third part. And then he changed my plan. And he said, no, this is what I want you to share first. The effect praise has on God. First of all, I want to um, expose a misconception. Many times we think that our net worth to God, the only thing that we have to offer him is our service. But that's not true. God doesn't just want what we can give to him. He doesn't just want what we can do for him. He wants us personally. He wants our affection. And he's blessed when we desire him, when we love him and we worship him. So I want to give you an example just to help you to see how big this is to God. I'm going to give you an example, an uh, earthly example. I'm going to use the example of marriage. So Kent and I um, each have our own um, strengths, our own gifts. And you've often heard me say we fill in each other's blanks. So what I'm good at, Kent's not. And what I'm not good at, Ken is. So in the ministry, you know what that looks like because you guys know us pretty well. But I'm the one that's standing here teaching. I'm the one that has written the book. So I'm a communicator. God has gifted me to communicate. It's totally his gift. And I'm just blessed to be able to do that. But if it weren't for Kent doing everything behind the scenes... If it weren't for Kent doing the website and the videoing and getting it, I don't know how he does it, but somehow he gets it from that camera onto the internet and, and it can go to Australia and minister to that girl, can go to Florida and minister to that other girl. I mean, I talked to somebody in Wisconsin the other day and I mean, I talked to people all the time from all over the place. I couldn't reach those people if it wasn't for Kent doing what he's doing. He's the one that takes the stuff that I write, it's a Word document, and he changes it into a book. My daughter-in-law does the graphic art part. That's her gift. My husband does all the calling. I don't even know how he does it. He calls the printers. He calls the, the Library of Congress people. He gets the copyright stuff. I don't know how he does all of it. He does it. I don't have to worry about it. So together, we're able to take the kingdom to the world the best that we can and we want to get better but together we do that and then in our home just in the everyday stuff that we do in life um, in m the things that I love to do is make our house into a home so I like to do things like 
um, keep it organized and somewhat clean and um, just make it nice. Put the Christmas decorations up. And then when Christmas is over, put everything away and clean the house. And, you know, I like to do that. One of the first things I do when I come home from a vacation is go to the fruit market because I want fresh produce in my house. I want to feed us well. And we love to share, cook and share food. I mean, we, that's something we love to do and we want to be healthy. So I do that. I take care of that part and I enjoy it. Kent maintains stuff. He's so good at fixing stuff. He fixes everything and anything. All I have to do, literally, <laughs> I won't tell you that. That's, that's a bit too much. But anyway, he fixes everything. He's really good at that. He also does like the snow plowing. He knows Cindy doesn't go outside in the cold. So he does all the snow plowing, all the shoveling. He takes care of the lawn. He does all the mowing, all the fertilizing. But I do the gardening. I do the weeding. So we work together. It works. But here's the point that I want to make, and this is the important point. We've been married for 38 years. And our marriage isn't built on all of that stuff. Our marriage isn't built on a well-kept home or a maintained house. Our marriage is built on relationship. And our first priority, even though we do a lot of stuff and we're busy, our first priority is being good friends. Our first priority is loving and caring for one another, supporting one another, caring about one another, appreciating one another. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. Yeah, we're talking about blessing him. Yeah, he does want us to serve him through ministering to other people. He loves it that I'm here teaching. I know he does. He is blessed when we pray for people, when we do good things. But that is not a substitute for our relationship with him. We can show him our love directly. It doesn't please God if we substitute service for ourselves. God wants us. And that's what praise is. It's giving of ourselves to God. It's expressing our love and our worship to him. And that ministers to him. About a year ago, God spoke to me about this ministry. And I came to realize when he spoke to me, kind of corrected me, that my first ministry isn't you guys. My first ministry needs to be to him. Because if my ministry isn't to him, I'm out of balance. We can minister to God by praising him, by pouring out our worship and our love to him. God loves us like a parent loves a child. And he wants our love in return. Now listen to this, because this might just take you off guard. In this sense, God has a need. Any person who loves has a need to be loved. God desires our love. That just took my breath away when I started to think about it. God has a need. Because anyone who loves needs to be loved in return, desires to be loved in return. A one-way love affair isn't a good love affair. 
So I wanted, again, to give you this, this close-to-home example. Those of you who know um, Maggie and our story about Megan know that she hiked the whole Appalachian Trail last year. And for Christmas, this is one of the things she gave us, was a beautiful picture, postcard, of her at the top of Mount Katahdin. It's the end of the trail, standing at, you know, rejoicing that she reached the end. But she wrote on the back of it, and this is what she wrote. She said, Mom and Dad, where could I possibly begin to thank you for your love and support while I undertook this crazy journey? Out of all the people you believed in me the most, you spent long, boring hours with me on the phone while I tried not to trip on rocks. You visited and fed me and friends, drove all over Virginia to help slack pack a bunch of smelly strangers. You were my greatest cheerleaders when all the naysayers expressed doubts in my ability to keep moving. I love you and appreciate you more than I could ever express. Love, Jay Wiggles. Your daughter, Meg. This blessed me, guys. This blessed me so much that she would take the time to acknowledge how our support had helped her through that huge, long journey that she was on. She was expressing her thankfulness. She was expressing um, how we encouraged her. She was expressing um, her love for us, and it blessed us. It blessed me so much. That's a keeper. <laughs> you know, I don't keep, I'm not a card keeper. When I get a lot of Hallmark cards signed with a name, I don't keep them. This one I'm keeping. It's a keeper. That's how it blesses God. When we do the same thing, when we go to God and we tell him what he's done for us and how it's helped us and how it's encouraged us and how it's built us up, it blesses him. It blesses him when we tell him we love him. This is on your sheet, and this is biblical truth. We were originally created for God's pleasure. In Revelations 4.11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And that's us. We're part of his creation. We were created for his pleasure. And all I can think of is a couple who desires to have a baby. And when they've made the decision, when they're, they're, they've made the decision that it's a time in their lives, sometimes they don't even make the decision, they just get pregnant. That's what happened with Kent and I. But many times it's planned. And their desire is so great. They're just ready. They, they're hungry. They're ready for that season of life. That's what God was. God wanted a family. He wanted relationship. That's what it says. We were created for his pleasure. And then in Psalm 149, verse 3 and 4, God created us to be full of praise, full of joy, and full of thanksgiving. We are created to be worshipers of God. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. So the first two verses are about praise. Dance, instruments, praise. And then the, first, the third line of that scripture, of that, that stanza, says, 
that there's pleasure. For the Lord takes pleasure. The Lord takes pleasure. And then it says, he will beautify the humble with salvation. He beautifies those who say, God, you're amazing. Because when we're doing that, we are lifting him up in his rightful position above us, above our needs, above our issues. We're magnifying him. And when we do that, we are humbling ourselves. And it says he beautifies us with salvation. Salvation huh, is amazing. It's big. It's the fullness of life, eternal life, now and forever that Jesus came to provide for us. So God loves us, but he wants us to love him back. He wants our praise and worship. Our praise ministers to him. It blesses him. And listen, if praise had no other benefit than blessing God, it's more than enough. It's, if that was the only reason, it's because it blesses God. That's enough to praise him. That's not the only benefit of praise. This is a healing meeting. I haven't spoken about healing yet. But blessing God changes everything. Praising him changes everything. And I'm going to show you pictures of that in a minute. First thing I want to do is read to you an example of extravagant worship from the Bible. And then I'm going to share some examples that I see right here. Extravagant worship. This is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Afterward, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation. When he went to Simon's house, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known by all to be a prostitute. When this woman heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made of alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. So here's this woman, sinner, bad sinner, adulterer. She went to the home of the religious leader. Jesus was there for dinner. And she went to that home. And she went... In a, in a position of humility, in a position of repentance, but repentance isn't a bad thing, guys. Repentance isn't a condemnation or a guilt thing. Repentance is running to Jesus because you know how amazing he is. And that's what this young woman did. And she was just weeping in worship, extravagant worship, as she wept at his feet, anointed his feet, with the oil. But when this man, Simon, the religious leader, saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Remember back in that day, you became unclean if you touched the unclean. 
Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. Go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000, and the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off their debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered, well, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus agreed. And then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She's doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off of my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my feet and head with the finest perfume. She's been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. And then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, All your sins are forgiven. Jesus was giving her the gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness. He acquitted her of her sin. He was showing us the heart of the Father. This is before he paid the price. This is before he had redeemed us with his blood. He hadn't yet offered himself as a blood sacrifice. And yet he was pouring out his love to this woman as she was pouring out her love to him. We're in that same position. That's who we used to be. Not anymore. We're forgiven now. But we were in that position. But God so loved the world. That's the next scripture. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave and he gave his best he gave his son he gave us Jesus that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved just like he didn't condemn that woman with the alabaster flask. He didn't condemn her. He doesn't condemn us. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He came to pour out his love. He came to give us his love. So when we experience the love of God, we'll praise him more. That's what that woman did. And when we praise him more, we'll experience more of his love. It's a never-ending cycle. Praise, today we're talking about praise, praising God. Praise is the way to develop this love relationship with God. When we bless the Lord by telling him how much we love him and thanking him for what he's done, he'll minister his love back to us. When we declare our love for him, when we declare our awe of him, when we put our heart in that place of just 
thanking him and loving him, his love will be reciprocal. We, I mean, it's already there, but we'll know it more. It'll grow. We'll grow to know him more. And where I want to conclude tonight is sharing, as I was preparing this, I started to see faces of people here. And I'm going to share three of them tonight. I saw five faces. I'm going to share three of them tonight. And it, what God, I believe, was showing me are people who are extravagantly worshiping God, maybe for the first time, or maybe afresh and anew. I don't know. But what I do know is that I see it in you. It's really evident because there's something new. And, and I'm only going to share about three people, but I have seen it in so many. I have said this over and over and over again. My favorite part of ministry isn't seeing people healed, although I love seeing people healed. My favorite part of ministry is seeing lives changed, seeing people completely transformed and made new. So I've, I've asked permission of two of the three. The third person wasn't here yet when I, when I started, but I know she won't care. So the first person I want to share about is Ben. Ben, just raise your hand. People can see your face. So that's one of the first, one of the three people whose faces God showed me when I was preparing this. And uh, I'm going to share a little, little story. I don't even know the whole story, but I'm going to share what I do know. The last time I was here, which was in December, um, at the end, we had prayer, like we always do. And Kim was praying for Ben. And, after, and I was praying for some other people. And after everybody kind of um, was done receiving prayer, Kim brought Ben to me. And she said, I just really feel like you need to speak over him. Now, Ben, honest to God, I don't even know what your need is. Many times I don't. doesn't matter. Jesus is the healer. But I started praying for Ben, and I don't, remember exactly what I was praying, but I do remember that it was Holy Spirit speaking. I, I could, it wasn't Cindy's words. It was Holy Spirit speaking. I don't remember it. That happens a lot when I'm praying where it's very um, Holy Spirit-led. I call it prophetic prayer because it's, it's just God telling you what you needed to hear. And after I prayed, I asked Ben, I said, Ben, what are you feeling? And as soon as I asked that question, Ben started weeping. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad weeping. It was a, a beautiful, overwhelmed, that awe kind of weeping, awe-inspired. And he was weeping. And I knew it was good, but I didn't know what it was. And we, I, Kim was with me, and I was with Ben. We were three of us there, and we just let him just weep. And then when he just quieted down, he opened his eyes and he said, that's how I'm feeling. He said, I am overwhelmed. I am just overwhelmed with God. So Ben's only been coming to this meeting for maybe two months or so, but I've just seen him soak up this amazing good news and receive it. Something's going on in there and it's good. <laughs> He's becoming made new. There's a scripture that I love. It's 1 Corinthians 5.17, I believe. I don't, not positive if that's the right reference, but it says, 
old things have passed away and all things have become new. Yeah. The second face that I saw was Sherry's. Sherry, raise your hand. Sherry was the second face that I saw. And um, Sherry's, again, has been coming just for a few, maybe, maybe six weeks, maybe two months. And my friend, Aline, is the one that brought her. And Aline is one of the first people I met when I was saved, literally, one of the first people. She was the leader of my first small group 16 years ago. So Aline is a special place in my heart. And Aline has become friends with Sherry and brought, has been bringing Sherry to our meetings. Now, uh, I'm not going to go into great detail, but Sherry has a lot of physical needs, and I do know quite a few of her physical needs. And over the weeks since she's been coming, she has been seeing the power and the presence and the amazing goodness of God just show up all over the place. And she's just like, like, wowed. <laughs> she's wowed with God. And so she's had some, some really awesome steps of healing, not, not the not the complete manifestation, but lots of steps. So, for example, one of her needs is she's on dialysis, and she needs new kidneys, right? Her kidneys are doing better. They're filtering more than they were, and they were able to reduce the amount of, of dialysis. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's awesome. And then Marlene was in town. Uh, this was shortly before Christmas. Marlene Kleps, and she went and received prayer from Marlene and received an immediate healing of an uh, issue in her neck and her shoulders where she was having a lot of pain. Just like that. She was touched. She was healed. Awesome. And then the last week that, we, that Kent and I were here, Pastor Tom was praying for, for Sherry. And another physical issue is she, was, she had polio when she was young, and so she has some residual effects in her legs. And so she was asking for prayer for this issue with her legs. And as she was praying, as Tom was praying, and they were praying together, she sensed the power of God like she'd never sensed it in her legs. Like they were, it wasn't a bad thing, it was a good thing. She felt literally the anointing of the power of God in her legs. And she was like, whoa! <laughs> I won't tell you exactly what she said. It was, she was wowed, put it that way. So, so here this woman, Sherry, I have seen, and she's just so thankful. She's so thankful to her angel, Aline. She calls Aline her angel. She's so thankful for people telling her the truth. She's so thankful for this good news that she didn't even know about. And she's receiving uh, more. This is what I always say. Um, I had no idea when I received healing how much more it was going to be. Is so much bigger than just healing. And Sherry's experiencing that. So the third person is Allison. <laughs> I told Allison this the other day. I was praying with her on the phone. Allison, raise your hand. This is another Australian beauty. Um, I love her accent. She's living in Michigan with her amazing husband, Adele. And they're both from Australia, right? Yeah. And, um, and they're in, in Michigan for, for work right now. But I've been talking with, uh, with Allison a lot on the phone. And um, right when God gave this to me, it was, I think, the day that he showed me your face. We were praying, and you had a very neat, important need. I don't remember exactly that day what it was, but I told her, I said, I have to show you. God showed me your face today when I was preparing 
a message. And then I told her exactly what I'm going to tell all you guys now. And that is that I have seen Allison just fall in love with God in a new way, a deeper way. She has lived a very strong, faithful life with God in her, in her religious background. But there's something new now. She's developing a newfound love relationship with God. And I've seen it blossom in her. I hear it as we talk, because this is somebody who I've spent quite a bit of time talking and praying with and talking through some questions and some concerns, both with um, her faith and what she's learning, as well as the physical part that she's believing God for. Um, but I've just seen her just blossom in front of my eyes. And so your face was in front of me that day, Allison, as I was just preparing this. So, and there's so many more, but those are the three that I wanted to share tonight. The woman that showed Jesus the extravagant worship, she was just going to Jesus. She was just going to the feet of Jesus. That's what he wants all of us to do. It blesses him. He's a daddy, just like it blessed me when my daughter spoke to me in that beautiful card. Go to him. The journey of healing that we are all living, the journey of whether it's a physical healing, whether it is divine health that you're living in, or whether it is a divine life, like the ultimate level of life that God has called you into, wherever you're at in your journey, this is a starting place. And it's praising and worshiping and blessing God, coming to his, his feet, sitting at his feet, being discipled, being loved. You're the disciple who Jesus loves. So am I.